Good morning and a happy Thursday to you folks. We're going to start Thursday off with a little bit of a quote. Normally, we don't do quotes here. We like to be original. However, Mark Twain, the famous Mark Twain, who was an author at one point, he said, if you tell the truth, you do not have to remember anything. I often circle back to that quote in life as accountability is not to be confused with blame or should be used interchangeably with responsibility. Accountability is actually something you take on yourself, and if you do not lie, it makes it much easier because transparency pushes you to be accountable. Being transparent about your decisions and actions, being impeccable with your words, it's almost impossible not to be transparent. So many of us identify ourselves with our work. Our work becomes an extension of us. Explaining your actions becomes second nature so often. Transparency pushes you to be accountable. Being accountable should not always be viewed in a negative light. In fact, being accountable allows you to take credit for your actions. Being accountable allows you to be impeccable with your word. And being accountable allows others to trust in your commitment. Folks, you have yourself a fabulous Thursday. Now let's get this party started. It's time to play hard, work hard. Now let's play hard. Welcome to the Play Hard Work Hard Morning Show. Happy Thursday, folks. The Permian Basin Association of Pipeliners annual cook-off is where we are at today in Odessa, Texas, down in the Permian Basin. Sean Forbes is co-hosting today. Sterling got stuck on the road back in Dakota. He did. He got stuck on the road. He got stuck. Well, I left Colorado with five inches of snow in my car, so I'm happy to be here in Texas. Let me tell you. I got some snippy emails back from him. When I was asking about how certain things were coming along, so I'm just gonna let that settle for a while. <laughs> as he, as the last one I got, uh, I'll get to it when I get unstuck from the snow. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a lovely 64 oh, degrees here. I was about ready to a take slight my cloud cover. Put my tank top on day. here. Yeah, it's perfect in day just here. Just a second or two. So we've got a great show today. By the way, Sean Forbes, Teen Forbes, with us, also OG Directory, up and running now. We've got another guest going to join us in just a sec. I don't know if I can plug that in on the fly or not. So shoot. Uh, we might have to take a quick pause and come back and, and, and join for a second. But we're going to talk about the Industrial Forest, the Crude Life Award Show. It's not a dinner, but an award show. Oh, interesting. This is the first time hearing about it. Of so I'm excited about but you are to a hear part about of it. it. Okay. I already know this. Because when we were putting this together, Team Forbes has written all over it. How could it not? And again, it's not a dinner. It's not an awards dinner, but an awards show. The this is first amazing. ever Crude Life Awards show. We're going to be handing out awards this year. It's going to be off so the we charts. We have sponsors and everything already. New sponsors will be announced next week. New sponsors. Added four in the last two weeks. Wow. Okay. One is a bank. That's interesting. I know, because yeah. I go off on banks a lot. Well, banks are a huge a part of our industry. They finance a lot of the things that we do. So it's 
No wonder Makes that sense, they shouldn't, huh? yeah, be involved. Well, and apparently all the money starts with them now, too. That's right. what the, the government gives it to the bank, and then the banks decide which of us gets it. That's right. So, and uh, we'll announce that after St. Patrick's Day. I'm not going to be back to Dakota till after St. Patrick's Day, probably. Oh, really? You're making a world tour. Well, not really. It's just, uh, it takes like three days to drive back from Texas. <laughs> I got invited down to the Gulf for spring break on a Vicky Leach's place. Yeah, I know. I'm sad. Well, I'm going to miss it. Too. I did get invited, but I have to go back home. So I'm sad I'll miss you guys. Well, and I, I thought about it, but then seven hours, seven and a half hours more driving, and I drove down here. And then it, would, it was something like 23 and a half hours drive back to my place. And I just went, absolutely not. I can't, I, it's, 18 is too much, you know? So, anyway, so there's that. Uh, Sterling, by the way, the co host, of course, Sterling. Never worked a day in oil and gas. Grew up in oil and gas. Grew up around it. Grew up on a oil base in Saudi Arabia known as Dahran, which got his hometown got bombed last week. Yeah. Really? Part of our bombing or the bombings that are going on that is not making any of the news. Um, yeah, his hometown got bombed. So they, we used to joke about he knows more about oil and gas than most of the people who work in oil and gas because as a kid he had to do duck and cover drills in his school because the refinery next door might get bombed oh, and wow. now that actually happened so like Are his we never had a fire we right? never had a fire in our school no. we did fire drills all no, the time did. he had duck and cover for bombings of refinery and it actually happened oh, wow are his friends and family all right well we're going to find out when i get back oh. he's he's too busy getting his car and stuck in the snow as we're by the way the bar's opening up in 10 minutes i found out here so I'm ready. as as we get ready to have a cocktail before noon apparently yes. what time is it by the way we were supposed to get rolling about 8:30 but we didn't it's 10 a.m. here 10 a.m. so uh, also Trisha Curtis from Petro Nerds if the interview gets uploaded in time she will be the work hard portion of the the program she was interviewed a few days ago by Jenica our crude life correspondent she's out kicking butt I can't wait to hear this I love Trisha she's just such a brilliant woman with amazing insights well, on you gave me the, the idea. market I did yeah and she's fantastic and so I actually I was supposed to interview her two months ago and I dropped the ball I dropped the ball because of life and that that's only happens occasionally that's all I'm gonna well single parents you know that yeah. I mean it's I don't know you don't know and that, the daddy and the daddy of Frackleberry Hound Frackleberry Hound thank you <laughs> and homeowner you know all, the, all that stuff so anyway you get with it you know trying to manage a home and uh, anyway, so I, I pushed it off to Jenica, passed it off, not pushed it off, passed it off. It got to be very impeccable with our words these days. At right. least I try to be. So I passed it off to Jenica. I figured, you know, it's Women uh, um, History Month. And I told, as I told Jenica, I, I can do interviews about women's history, but I think it's a little more appropriate if you do it. Yeah. Like I can do it, but I would rather if you did it, you know. You're more, you're going to have in more tune. of a connection. She's more in tune, yeah. Well, I would hope so. Yes. And she is. <laughs> so anyway, folks, that's the work hard portion of the interview uh, later in the program. And we also have Stephen Forrester of Gyrodata, too. I haven't chosen which one. It depends on which one gets uploaded. So uh, that's the work hard portion. I have to go into the, 
That's what we're doing today. We're changing our oil while driving 90 miles down the interstate. That's how it goes in the wear card, play hard portion of the show. That's also just oil and gas in general. So um, let's take a break here quick and come back and let's have some special guests because we're going to have cameos. We're going to have special guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff happening. We're at the Permian Basin Association of Pipeliners annual cookoff. Team Forbes is with us. Sean Forbes, also OG Directory. Frackleberry Hound underneath. My name is Jason Spies. We'll see you in a few. I feel all right. I'm doing okay. I'm here for the moment, you know, and then I'm on my way. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard. It's sponsored in part by Absolute Energy Field Products and Services. Absolute Energy Field Products and Services is an engineering, design, and manufacturer of oil and gas production equipment, refining, and petrochemical processing equipment. They manufacture the equipment with the highest standards as per ASME Boiler and Pressure Vessel Code Section 8, Division 1, and can be designed, fabricated, and tested in accordance with NACE standards. Absolute Energy Field Products and Services. For more information, check out their website, AbsoluteEnergyField.com. That's AbsoluteEnergyField.com. The Crude Life. Play hard, work hard. Is sponsored in part by American Directional Driller. Especially designed for the American Directional Driller to measure bottom hole assembly equipment up to 40 feet. As of release, this product is unmatched in the marketplace. This heavy-duty 40-foot tape measure has three measurement scales on an extra-wide blade. Pick up this 40-foot tape measure at Amazon.com or be sure to check out their website, AmericanDirectionalDriller.com. The Industrial Forest. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. Welcome back to the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. Kind of a delayed, tardy edition this morning, but that's okay. It's it's podcast. You know, we don't have deadlines like I normally do in the radio world, which I have. Oh, my God, I have radio shows to get done by tomorrow for my weekend shows. I just realized that in the moment because I looked at my notes, and it's Thursday today, March 11th. We're at the Permian Basin Association of Pipeliners annual cook-off. Sean Forbes with us, Teen Forbes. Also, OG Directory, how you doing? 
I'm good. It smells really good out here. All this barbecue cooking up. It's better a lot than of cook BO, trailers. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's no, better no, than normally the oil patch BO. Yeah. Sweating and dirt <laughs> dirt everywhere Air, and dirt and oil. This is nice. Aaron, I, I cannot recall your last name in the moment. Wurzma. What's that? Wurzma. 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 Okay. Newly employed, almost employed. Yes. About the 98-yard line, folks, so we can't get into the details of things. However, she feels confident enough to talk about the last several weeks, several days, several months, just everything that's gone into the whole... Maybe the last couple of years? Like the last year? The last year. There you go. The, the, The hoopla of job search just life itself dealing with a lot in the industry and um we hope it has a happy ending right is that yes that's the end goal yeah, yeah. Aaron, how many how many different companies have you worked for over the last year i can't even count it's just been so quick and painful so, oh, so you've been hopping I've been hopping because everything just stopped so um a year basically a year ago uh, the company that I worked for filed bankruptcy and so and went under. So in the middle of a pandemic, um, oil's crashing to negative, I don't know, I try not to remember, I have to go out on a job search. Fortunately, we had a couple of months where we were able to uh, still be on the payroll until the bankruptcy went over, but that's where it was just in the middle of total chaos. So I had an opportunity to work for a company that was a great company um, and did the same what I used to do in the fabrication but when oil crashed to negative something and didn't come back there's no way anyone can carry that carry a salesperson that's not going to sell something for a year right that obviously no one's going to be buying brand new fabrication until maybe hopefully third quarter this year yeah because we're not producing we're not building and so um, but it's still important to keep that sales presence and you know continuity with you know having that connection with customers too and so you've brought on a big customer base you have a a huge network of people you have a lot of customers that just follow you um, regardless of what company you work for and so for you to come on to a, a company it's so valuable and then you know after a month they get scared and they just let you go and not only is that devastating to you but it's detrimental to them and your customer base as well Yes. And thank you for saying that. And that's just, and I could see a lot of companies point of view because once the bankruptcy happened with the previous company, there were a lot of competitors that were ready to offer jobs, wanted to talk to me. But when everything kept crashing painfully, the COVID kept going, it just was not possible. And so, and then I was able to work in the fall for another company, but they transitioned to more industrial. And so that one also which we tried our best. I mean, it's one of those you just kind of try to try to work and see what you can pull off in fourth quarter during a pandemic. And May I yeah. ask a question real quick? Yes. Okay, because I, I, um, I find this very fascinating from a different perspective. More of from your perspective. Like, if, if I was in your shoes, I would have a very difficult time because it's a downward spiral. Let's, just, let's be honest. Like, it is a spiral that has happened where there are things outside of your control, but it directly reflects on you. So now, 
And the reason I said, "Oh, you were hopping around," because that was kind of a that was kind of taboo for a long time of uh, resume hoppers or job hoppers. Don't get somebody like that on your team. Well, when it when when you're in a pandemic and a spiral and companies are trying to take chances and just all of a sudden, well, their door closed and. Yeah. I mean, Shit happens, posi- folks. Yeah. Move on, type thing. Yeah, you take a position How, with the company with the intention yeah. of continuing to work there. How did you handle that? Because you know, it, bringing that passion right out of the gate is is well. When you're on your third time in a year. You, you almost got to re-strategize how you bring this new passion because the old enthusiasm is just isn't working on people. It seems so. I don't know. Am I making any sense here? No. Um, no, I'm exactly, not. Okay. At oh, one I am. Point, yeah. At one point, I was <laughs> no, just not like, at seriously, all. <laughs> like the beginning of last year, I was just like, seriously, because then an out of industry company found me on LinkedIn and said, oh, we want an oil and gas salesperson because you know how to hustle, you know how to work hard. And that lasted two weeks and they said, you're expensive. Well, yes. Well, they had a contract that they thought they were going to get. They were non oil and gas and apparently they didn't get it so that lasted two weeks my tax person i, I mean all of my tax work and all my she's looking at me like going, i'm gonna charge you more but how i reacted to it at the beginning of the didn't whole, even think of that whole side of it <laughs> yeah, she's, yeah. I go, how many I w nines w9s here's my stack here you go and she's just looking at me like yeah you're gonna owe me but i wow. mean to kind of joke about it at the beginning when all this happened like Sean and I have talked. I just learned a new tactic. I just would put vodka in my truly. We would just, you know, we just skip the whole delight. And we just said, you know, we're just going to go straight for that. But at Irish one point, coffee. Yep. <laughs> yep. And at one point, you got to get out of your pajamas. You got to go start socializing. You started figuring it out. And I think that's where maybe a lot of us in sales, I still see a lot of green circles. And, but we have, if we have that hunter mentality and I'll take care of my customers because they'll still follow me. They'll still ask me questions. I'm going to do it. Right. And that will guide you to something. I mean, the company that went, went bankrupt, I still had my customers call because they needed service. And so I felt like with that company, all of us that worked together, we were like this happy little dysfunctional family. And then we all ended up in different foster homes. So <laughs> I had all everyone else that worked with one of our competitors. So I was able Just to angle and kind of push those my customers like, hey, I need, um, I need a part for combustor. All right, well, talk to him. He went over to this department. So, I was able to kind of still coordinate and stay in contact with my customers, which is going to be um, really productive now because they're already calling me. So it'll be a great start of um, 2021. Yeah, and if they're smart, they'll keep you. Yes, we are. This is this is it. Because I'm kind of starting to feel like, you know, that poor little pound dog, that little shelter dog that keeps coming back because, you know, I don't know, it peed on the carpet and then you keep dragging it back to the pound. And hopefully this is the last time I have to be adopted out. <laughs> have you ever, have you thought about maybe leaving the industry because oil and gas has been so hard to, you know, land solid jobs? So here's the other aspect of that is I applied for outside of the industry and I actually had someone said you have great qualifications but once it comes up you'll leave I said no I want to get out of this I can't handle the bipolar behavior that goes on so other industries don't really give us poor little oil and gas refugees a chance and then I found that to be true as well I really did uh, especially during the 
So the 2015 recession, I had to, um, I actually had to, oil and gas, the crude life was 20% of my income. I had to go and figure out other ways from delivering, you know, deadhead type delivery things for people. Hey, I'll pay a hundred bucks if you drive this to Jamestown or whatever it is. Little you know, hot just, shot delivery. Yeah, hot shot, whatever it is, but for packages for people and just, you know, creative things because they knew I had time. Um, but I, I, I wrote for different industries as well. So I, because I'm a writer actually by trade. And so what I found though was that people would not hire you full time because you came from the oil and gas industry because when oil gets back to above 60 bucks you're going to not even put in two weeks that's what someone told me they're you're going to leave the minute you get a, a better job offer so you found that to be true too huh yes i actually had people say that yeah to no me. they're very upfront about they're it. very upfront they and, said I'm, and i'm happy they are yes and they said you're going to leave and i said no i'm not and then another like you don't know me right, right you that's don't not my character you know? Exactly. And then also with they started treating you more as an entry level. You Well, you don't know our product. Yeah. So you just start as an entry level, which I'm sorry to say most of us in oil and gas, we're here for it's not the I mean, it is the lifestyle, but it's the it's the money also. I mean, it's up and down and it's around and like it's like dating a bipolar woman. You don't know what mood you're going to get which day. And so some of us that's are why kind I, of that, That's why I date two of them. And then I just, whichever <laughs> one. Which, uh, that's a good idea. Well, that's Maybe I'll go to that Mormon religion, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah okay. keep it real. This Catholic one isn't working out. <laughs> just bring them over. But that's kind of how I feel. And, and so one then they want. for each day of the week, sorry. <laughs> so they want just you to put start. That together, right? underwear. I just put it's that like together right now. It's like your underwear, your Monday yeah, underwear, your Tuesday <laughs> underwear. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so that's what I saw was, and then they start you entry level because you may not know the product. You might have years of sales experience or management experience mm -hmm. or whoever, because everyone's pretty much out of work. But I mean, even, even my son struggled, you know, who just graduated last year with college in an engineering position. So it, it was all around. Everyone has struggled. How about social media? How you been handling that? You know, I you know I'm glad that there's a hashtag circle now. Everybody has that's unemployed. At least there's something to, you know. No offense, but it's it's tough to be unemployed. It's it's not. It's it's a very embarrassing. It's very. Uh, it's depressing. It's depressing. It makes you feel like shit. You know. Yeah. I mean, which is another word for depressing. And, you, and it and it belittles your purpose. I mean, but people, people have such great skill sets, and when you're not utilizing that, you feel like you're just wasting away. And there there are some people that will look down upon you. And the reason I know this is because I've heard the judgmental statements with my own ears about <laughs> other people who are unemployed. Not me, you know, when you're sitting around a bunch of caddy groups or something like that, and they'll say something, there's, there's male cats too, you know, I mean, so don't, don't give me that look. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I, you know, you hear the judgmental statements, so when you're in that judgmental group, you just assume they're saying it about you. <laughs> At least I do. Um, so how did you deal with social media on that? I mean, did, did, did it, was it hard? Did you care? I think... I think is it too hard to talk about? Not really, because it kind of became kind of a group. I mean, if you look at LinkedIn, I mean, half of the people have a circle, yeah. and I think that was a really good idea that they brought that out. And 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 a lot of people. Once I put that circle up the last time, I had tons of people just um, message me, "Hey, call this. Hey, send me over your resume. I'm going to send it here." And so I can tell this time 
being back in the unemployment line was a lot shorter than the last time and things are building up. I've had several, several interviews. I've made it to several two to three final interviews and so um, a lot of movement in what the six to seven weeks and so a lot of them are referred and so I see a lot of movement I see a lot of people I I saw it as a positive I see everyone trying to really rally together because Mm -hmm. a lot of the people that I know who are employed some of my really good friends that are employed they're terrified that if it doesn't turn around how long are they going to keep me right and a a good friend of ours um, you know she's been in sales and she's gotten three pay cuts now and so i'm like three pay cuts three pay cuts so uh, we interviewed somebody the other day who was talking about the number one complaint they're hearing is that they're getting laid off and then they get offered their job back but it's at more fraction of no but like less than 50 percent like it's a substantial cut like from six figures down to like 40 grand you know, something like that. And so it's not to belittle 40 grand a year. It's just to say the percentage cut of, of what it is, is, is very sticker shock. It's just a sticker shock. And, you know, I, I don't want to dwell on that too much yeah. because that, that's, you know, that, that, that's kind of a touchy subject for a lot of people, but. Well, it is, but I think companies right now are taking advantage of, you know, the people that are available in the job market so right I now. I'm thinking those people are, are going to be desperate so they can lowball them I with agree. a lower salary. But in turn, those people are going to become bitter because they're not being paid their, their value. I'm bitter already. Yes. And, I wanna br- and I'm not quite there. I'm more bit. I'm getting bitter. And these circles, right? I really did like the circles for the people looking for work. I really did like that because... That gave a group of individuals a sense of unity too. that that needed it, that really needed it. Right, because if you'd see that circle, I'd go, "Oh, Erin, she's looking for work." And then, as I see jobs become available, forward them to right, her. Right, exactly. So it's like, help, so let's all help each other. When I saw these companies start coming out with the circle hashtag, ready, looking ready to for hire, work? ready for work. Oh, yeah. no, looking to hire. Okay, please stop. Please stop. You're taking it away from the people who need work. Yeah. You're, di- you're, di- you're diminishing what they had power of before. Instead of putting that on there and taking the time to create that circle, go hire that person. Go hire the person that's looking for work. Don't brag that you're looking. For, it's, it's, oh, we're good. Hey, thanks, man. <laughs> uh, that's, that's what happens here at the Permian Basin Association of Pipeliners annual cook-off here is they've got, what would what, you call that? In the restaurant business, we call that like a host or an expediter, something like that. They're just making a He's gopher. A volunteer, a volunteer, and you know, uh, hey, whatever needs to be done, making I'm sure here. everything's okay. I'm your guy. But I, so I don't want to get you know too controversial with this statement. But what I do want to do is point out that I felt like they were trying to piggyback off the momentum of the success of the looking for work. By saying, "Hey, look, we're hiring." Yeah, look a lot of you guys are look hiring at, at nine bucks an hour when you were paying forty bucks an hour. Mm-hmm. So that's another problem I have with that is they're trying to disguise their guilt, if that makes sense. I'm a business owner, so I mean, I could have done it too. Sure. You know, I mean, we, we, we've we've actually we didn't get any government money, and we've brought on two new people because we knew we had to grow. So I'm making less money. I'm reinvesting in myself and in my product. 
and then we've, we're creating relationships and trying to figure out how to big, figure out creative ways to do strength and numbers because it's hard to move to the next level when you don't get the big government contract or whatever the case is. So, okay, there's two rants there. <laughs> but I don't know what you guys are thinking about the circles and things. I think it should be just for the people looking for work I because agree. then it, it's kind of theirs. Right. Anyway, so. Um. I, I've seen that looking to hire. So um, I've had several requests to um, LinkedIn. And so if they do have the circle to hire, I will notice it a little bit more. I mean, that's the only thing I've kind of noticed mm -hmm. where, oh, they're it hiring. As job seekers. As job seekers. Kind of a, and a, so a beacon of a light. To yeah, kind of like, look oh, over here. oh, hey, they might be hiring. Maybe I'll pay attention to this request. Mm -hmm. And so it, I'm neutral on it. It okay. doesn't really bother me. What, what advice would you give for people who would have been in the job hunt flip-flop for a while now? I mean, as far as, you know, your perseverance and, you know, your strength, you have to stay strong, you know, in order to, to get through it all. But what, what advice would you give others? I think what worked for me, I was just trying to think about that. And it's also something because my son has been working for a year to get a job. He just graduated from college in an engineering position, you know, and he didn't have any background. Well, where did all the other engineers that were laid off in oil and gas go? Out into what I call the civil world. So both him and I have discussed how he's done it and how I've done it. And he will be um, employed April 1st. And Ooh. so when he gets his formal, yay! So <laughs> we're both rocking it now. But um, you really have to just know that every time you hit that button on an email or you apply I, my philosophy was I don't have a chance in hell of being pulled and I did get pulled several times when I was like oh really mm -hmm. and so trying to change out like the basics change out your resume which is daunting and annoying or um, try to find a connection like I found that people were willing hey you know, we connected in 2017 off of LinkedIn. I think we said hi once. I just applied for your company. Can you help me out? And on several of them, finding those people and saying, here's my resume. Push it in front of someone. You have to advocate. You have to, to network. To network and advocate. You have to push. And if you have to call the person, and if you have to call them and say, hey, I know you have my resume because I've cyber stalked you and I found <laughs> your house and I put it underneath your mat or I oh, mean so that level of advocate. Oh, I, oh, there's one that oh, I, I was going to ask you, what level do you go to until the protective order is signed? OK, because for me, <laughs> I do three calls, three email. You know, once I reach three. That's it for me because I think technically as a male, I can get sued for harassment. Stalkerish. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so. it, it depends. If I can talk to them, there's a company that um, I've been persistent with and we've talked. They haven't decided if where they're putting the position. And so I'll hit them up every once in a while sure. and they'll talk to me and I'll hit an email. I'll just hit back an email. Hey, I'm just emailing you to so that it, this pops up and you remember me. Mm -hmm. I mean, especially if you're in sales bring out that personality that's how you know you've stalked that person walked in and got a got a solid sale sell yourself and yeah and you just got you can't stop or just i mean i contemplated last summer moving in with my parents and just um paddle boarding every day that sounded really good and at moment, is that still available i'll do um, that okay you can come over yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mom, would, dad, say this guy I met down in the desert. He's gonna move in with you. Yeah, you he's just gonna paddleboard. Don't worry about him. It'll be perfect. <laughs> and like I was legitimately thinking, this would have been a lot easier and a lot more fun to hang out with my parents 
And um, but but oh, and if you can knew we, my parents, the paddleboard podcast. The paddleboard. All podcast. of our podcasts are on the paddleboard, and when we fall over, it's done. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll have my hand li- my hand line fishing line. It's so fun. Anyway, sorry. At the same time, perfect. But yeah, and if you knew my parents, bless their heart, um, you would understand that that they're they're great, but. Um, would you want to move in back in with your parents? I was almost at no. that point. I'm like, no, this right. Would be all that's, right. That's not a proud moment in any adult's life. No. No. Uh, my kid wouldn't let me move in with him. And then the other one, he's on a controlled base, so I can't move in with him. So. One of my favorite like <laughs> moments, like we were at this dinner party or whatever it was. It's this guy had recently moved in with his parents. You know, it was ten years ago that during that 09, 10 recession or whatever. And he had to, and he was, you know, he was probably 38, okay? 38 years old, got to move home with your parents, okay? In the last year, you've gotten divorced. You gotta move I mean, just you're a cliche of just sad sack, right, you know? And uh, um, oh, I totally lost my train of thought. Gosh <laughs> darn it. Well, I was going to rephrase it, that I have to move in and care for my parents. Oh, that's what it was. So anyway, yeah. at the dinner party, he said he had to move home, and that was the end of his sentence, right? And the person he was talking to said... Or your parents ill. That was like the first thing. <laughs> that, so apparently that's the only acceptable way you can move back in with your parents is that if you're going to take care of them. Yes. Right. Yeah. So anyway. That's but. how I was going to phrase it. I need to move in and take care of my parents, <laughs> which I do need to kind of, yes, a little bit, make sure that my mom doesn't kill my dad. So. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, Sean was uh, taking her blazer, and <laughs> she goes from sexy to sophisticated very quickly, so it distracts me. And, uh, and well, the, the weather, it's going from, errands. me, I'm always cold, so it's going cold, hot, cold, hot. So I'm taking off my clothes and putting my clothes back on. So. Aaron's wearing a tank top, <laughs> and when the light catches her just right, my just stops me in my, mom- <laughs> in my tracks, and so it's a uh, tough day for me. Beautiful women here at the Permian Basin Association of Pipeliners annual cook-off. So let's kind of wrap up this segment a little bit. Uh, you mentioned advice. Uh, you know, the, how can people get in touch with you? And, uh, you know, you can't mention which company that you're, you're almost employed with. But let's say that, you know, they want to find out more, you know, what you're going to be doing and just kind of network and get, get involved. I think Link, LinkedIn would LinkedIn? be LinkedIn, okay. Yeah, LinkedIn, find me. Hit me up. Send a little message. Um, I usually accept everyone. Spell your last name. It's W-I-E-R-S-M-A. Aaron. E-R-I-N. Yes. Aaron Wiersma. Aaron Wiersma. German. Danish. Danish. Okay. All right. Close enough. It's Not my even. kid's name. <laughs> oh, it is. Yes. Good to see you, Aaron. I'm glad you're here today. I know. I'm glad I drove ten and a half hours to hang out with you. <laughs> so you're out of Colorado, aren't you? Yes. Which part of Colorado? Um, outside of Erie, but I was born and raised in Roosevelt, Utah, so the Green River Basin. I apologize for my Mormon jokes now. That's right. <laughs> no, okay, boy. that's all right. It's okay. I've never gone through a segment without offending someone. So it's oh, no, <laughs> I'm not offended at all. It's funny. I can find you a couple of wives, and we can help you out with that. <laughs> Wait, before we go, I want to mention Aaron. So Aaron's history in the oil and gas industry doesn't start and end with sales. Aaron was an actual field hand, so yes. Aaron is gets down and dirty and actually does field work herself. I think you're going to do a, a flowback job here, oh, or just did one. I, I just w- 
went and did or a water um, transfer, water, water transfer, transfer job. I, I helped a friend out and we, I did a water transfer job and um, I've dabbled in flow back. I thought I was pretty amazing with my six pound hammer. I'm sure I was humorous to my coworkers, but this is where I can get this line. How about a 40 foot uh, tape measure? We have one here today. Yeah. So I think we're going to measure a few things. I want to go measure some ribs. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do during the break. I'm going to measure some ribs and we'll throw them up on LinkedIn to see how long these how slabs long of ribs, ribs are. are. Who's, should we measure who's got the longest ribs here? Yes. Okay, you can do that. That's like, too much work. Like the ones that they're cooking or in our bodies? <laughs> oh! <laughs> oh! oh. Well, let's not go too far south of the equator. All right. <laughs> some big boys here. <laughs> we'll be back, folks. I woke up on a diesel track outside of New Orleans. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. The Crude Life with host Jason Spies. So there's still people without power as of this morning. You know, right now, I think there's very limited driving out there in West Texas. They're generating about 5% of the power today uh, in, in Texas. Sensitive microphone because I just poured a glass of water because we don't have running water here yet. I mean, this, is, this has been uh, a very trying week for a lot of people across the state of Texas. Uh, there are, and let me just say this, I'm sorry that so many Texans were let down by their grid. On the phone talking with us today, Chairman Christy Craddock of the Texas Railroad Commission. We have roughly 470,000 miles of interstate and intrastate pipe and pipelines in Texas and roughly another 500,000 miles of gas utilities uh, lines in Texas. So we have a lot of, and gathering lines are in that 470,000 miles as well. So we have a lot of pipe in Texas. We're the largest pipe state by a six. It, it is a very challenging day in Texas right now. Uh, the grid operator is projecting that nearly three million homes in Texas uh, are without power today. Uh, and, and there's- It's our snowy here in Lubbock again. I mean, I don't, I thought it was supposed to be sunny today. So I'm from Odessa, and that's a big part of my district, but I also represent, uh, in addition to Ector County, uh, three other counties in the Permian Basin. So Andrews County, Ector County, Ward County, and Winkler County, but uh, all, all in West Texas, all in the middle of the oil patch. You know, when they close the roads down, we can't transport that, that those, uh, those materials. And so we can't get the product to uh, where it needs to go to get refined so that we can either one, heat our homes, or two, uh, have fuel for our vehicles. Um, with pipelines, that doesn't really come into effect. You know, once the pipelines are laid, not much can stop that that crude oil or uh, natural gas from getting from point A to point B. They are so far behind the curve on getting the storage, the battery storage, uh, in place to be even be able to handle a, 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 you know, the most minute degree of storage 
for a case like what happened in Texas. And now, it, you know, there's going to be a spotlight on that. And just an incredible impact. We saw nearly 30 gigawatts uh, come offline yesterday. Half of the lodge went without water since Saturday. On Friday, the Railroad Commission uh, took quick action. I know you recently had Chairman Craddock on. We'll have water for until 5 p.m. and then we'll be off again for the night. On Friday, I sent a letter asking the Public Utilities Commission of Texas to rescind its order authorizing uh, these uh, generator, these generators or these providers to increase the rates. You know, I don't know that's true, but I don't think I'd want to be in a hospital in Dallas, Texas on a on life support and know that wind energy is going to be my source of keeping that machine running, right? J.P. Warren reporting from uh, Houston, Texas at 9, 12 a.m. Uh, I don't even know what day it is right now. I think it's Wednesday. Uh, we ran out of water yesterday. I've had maybe three hours of sleep in three days. Play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. Stephen Forrester, Gyro Data, three, two, one. Thank you for joining the program here today. Boy, Gyro Data, I kind of joked on the website uh, on LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter and so I'll just say social media instead of listing all the different parts that... Uh, Gyro data, and it doesn't involve pita bread. Well, it could, I suppose, if you eat it while you watch the data unfold. But uh, I wanted to start off by talking about what gyro data is right out of the gate, because I'm not sure a lot of people know what it is. And uh, Stephen Forrester, thank you for joining today. And uh, sorry to put you on the spot out of the gate like that, but I'd like to get to the meat of it right away. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. No, thank you for having me. Uh, thank you for having me on uh, this morning. And yeah, gyro data, or uh, yeah, the the uh, unfortunate uh, euro data, as, as some folks uh, might might say, which you'd be surprised. People uh, people ask about euros and make that make those comments uh, more than <laughs> more than you might think. Well, it makes us uh, sound cultural, you know. It makes us sound exactly. like like we're educated, and yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, multicultural. <laughs> hey, you know, but no. Uh, so yeah, gyro data uh, been around for we're celebrating you know forty years. Uh, actually, this this year, so we've had a you know a, a long history of working in the oil field. Um, the the primary service offering or, or technology offering the company has is a, is a gyro surveying instrument for wellbore placement purposes. Uh, so this is a, a relatively niche application uh, for for oil and gas, also for mining and some engineering stuff. But you know the bread and butter of what we do is oil and gas and Really, what it is is when, when companies are drilling wells and uh, trying to get to you know from point A to point B, from from uh, starting the starting the well, and getting to t- to total depth, and uh, hitting that spot in the reservoir to produce or you know to frack the well or whatever, uh, they need to make sure that it is where they think it is. They need to place it accurately uh, within the reservoir, within the production area, so that they get more out of it, and hence. Uh, a better financial return, uh, and, and they need to kind of eliminate the risk of, of certain uh, downhole you know, challenges with um, wellbore, uh, you know, wellbore intercepts, for example, or where where uh, you know wellbores might collide because they're too close together. So with pad drilling, 
and uh, these very tightly spaced wells nowadays, uh, especially with North American land, you know, you'll see a lot of that. And so how do we make sure that you can put these wells as close together as possible, get the most production out of them uh, while without, you know, leaching off one another, or having any of those HSE uh, risks around that. So that's kind of the big, it's kind of the big picture of, of why you would, why you'd want this, what the purpose is. And, you know, we, we think that, uh, you know, potentially every well should, should have a gyro as a surveying solution just because of the accuracy of the system versus some of the other, uh, you know, more traditional options. I want to make sure I'm following you correctly here that uh, gyro data, you're talking about the well specifically, or are you talking about the well and then also shale plays? And for example, the Bakken uh, has done a very good job of uh, keeping all the core samples since like the 1950s. And so for a lot of uh, IT companies and research firms and chemists and everything, they, they love that because it turned uh, the wildcatting into precision. So now because yeah. they have the, the data from all the shale play, they know, okay, well, when pricing of XYZ hits this and then our commodities prices reach this, boy, we can drill at $40, $50, $30, $60. So they've got the formulas down to do that. But that's a lot of it is because of the, the foresight the state of North Dakota had with the Laird Library. It's it's called um, the, the gentleman who came up with the concept. Uh, his last name was Laird. And so it's up at the University of North Dakota. They have a library named after him of all the core samples and things like that. But essentially what it was is anybody who drilled had to keep a core sample on the state. And, you know, Montana figured it out a couple decades later, but they were behind and that sort of thing. Is that what we're talking about or are we talking about the individual wells? I just put half the people to sleep, so sorry about that. <laughs> no, you're fine. I mean, so it really depends. I mean, yeah, yeah we're talking about, we're talking about any given well in the sense of, you know, a, a gyro, whatever type of system you, you chose, whether it was, uh, you know, something w which is a GWD or gyro while drilling. So that's, you know, that's a piece of technology that you could put in the, the bottom hole assembly that will take those you know, positional or trajectory measurements while while you're drilling. Right. So it's basically fulfilling the same purpose as a, as a traditional MWD tool. Uh, but it's it's not affected by things like magnetic north. Um, gotcha. You know, but by, by by the by, you might have you know something with the earth uh, in, in the actual well bore, or even if there's any kind of debris or you know the casing itself, all sorts of stuff. So you don't have to worry about any of those errors because uh, you know gyro is 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 a is a true north uh, you know true north seeking device that's actually based on the earth's. Uh, rotational axes and not not on a magnetic measurement that you need to correct you know that's kind of been the thing is uh historically with mwd measurements a lot of times if you are going through those areas where there's uh, magnetics you know then you'll have to do all these corrections yeah. afterwards to make sure that it's back to where it's supposed to be and this is kind of you know wait what a minute seeing. now back the train up here so you guys actually can detect if there's mag like magnetic energy in certain parts of the earth and things like that and be able to correct and et cetera. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, well, the, the thing, I mean, we're not, how would I say it? So basically, I mean, you know, when, when we're going to, to a well, I mean, the operator will typically kind of expect, 
uh, they'll expect areas of magnetic interference, maybe in a certain section or maybe for, you know, so many hundreds or a thousand of feet or whatever. There's, there's kind of, this has been accounted for in some of the well planning and things like that. And so, you know, through those sections, that's incredible. If, if I didn't, you're trying to, I didn't realize that. Those, Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. I just didn't realize that because there are pockets of magnetism throughout the earth. I mean, there's a, power grids based on that and theories of Tesla, of the Nikola Tesla, not the Elon Musk one, the, the original one, the, the original one, not even the band. I'm still on the band. Five man acoustical <laughs> jam, man. That's, that's my music. Uh, but okay. So I, I didn't realize that. That's awesome. See, to me, this is another example of why the oil and gas industry is truly awesome. And when I say awesome, I mean in the Webster's dictionary sense, because if, if there's ways that you guys can figure out how to even detect and negotiate magnetism, because let's be honest, the oil and gas industry has a lot of magne- magnetics involved. I mean, when you're talking about yeah. those, those drill bits and even down to the microscopic levels, like I've, I've gone to trade shows and I've seen these, uh, oh, it's, it's like, you know, like a, a sleeve you put around a, a pipe, right? It's like, like a, you know, you know what I'm talking about, like, an in, like a can koozie, okay, like a can koozie type thing. They'll have things like that that you put around a pipe, but it's specifically to pull the magnetic particles into, you know, uh, uh, up, up against the end so they're easier to flush out and things like that. So I can see where if you all of a sudden, you know, you're in, I don't know, Malaysia, whatever, I'll just name some country. And you run into an area where there's a pretty good pocket of magnetism. Man, that could really mess you up if you didn't know what you were dealing with. Holy crap. Sorry, I just, I'm I'm processing uh, this right now. So there you go. The baton is off to you, my good sir. No, you're totally right. I mean, we're, uh, you know, we'll we'll see a lot of instances of where, uh, you know, there'll there'll be these areas of, of, you know, highly magnetic, uh, you know, high magnetic interference and, uh, that that'll cause a lot of problem with survey quality if you don't have you know a, a gyro tool uh, in in your bottom hole assembly and uh, we've seen examples of that where you know a lot of times what'll happen is I mean because really if you think about gyros there's there's kind of two I guess there's kind of two you know paths that that a that an operator might follow one would be you know a post drill you 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 already drilled the well and now you want to know. Uh, you know, you want to know where it is, what the wellbore quality was like, things like that, right? So, you didn't you didn't run that while drilling. It was uh, it was done after the fact, maybe on wire line or e line or whatever. Um, then the other one is like I mentioned is you know GWD or gyro while drilling, where you're actually taking those measurements while drilling, you know, during the drilling of the well to make sure uh, that you're kind of staying on track. That's more for uh, for directional drilling purposes, for gyro steering and uh, getting it where it needs to be, if uh, you know, if very precise wellbore, uh, you know, or reservoir placement is is a concern, which it usually should be. Uh, but yeah, we've had instances where you know we'll compare um, a gyro survey versus an MWD survey, and you know, operator, I mean, they're seeing after the fact that their well was nowhere near where they thought it was. Uh, and, and that, that's kind of the, the kicker. That's the, that's the interesting thing is, you know, they, you'll drill a well and then maybe the production's bad, right. Or, 
you know, it, it's it's not doing what it needs to do, or you encountered issues with, you know, placing other equipment or additional downhole challenges, and then they'll do this gyro survey, and you'll find out, oh, well, no wonder it's not producing. It's like 400 feet up, you know, to the left of where it's supposed to be. Uh, and that, that, that whole idea of reservoir placement and really needing to pinpoint where you're going to drill and where you're going to place the well and, uh, you know, to get, to get production and ultimately for, you know, the, the company's financial success, that's a big deal. And, uh, and some of them are very small, you know, sometimes it's 20, 30 feet away, uh, which might not make a huge difference. And sometimes it's hundreds of feet in a few kind of special instances, it's actually been. Uh, more than a thousand feet, you know, which is pretty crazy. Uh, so it, it, it's it's really interesting that uh, you know, especially kind of in the past and historically, that you know, the 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 drilling team and drilling engineers and whatnot, you know, you drill this well and you think it's you think it's where it is uh, based on your you know your your pl- your well planning and your seismic and. You know, all the stuff that goes into it, you think it's where it's supposed to be, and it's actually, it's actually, uh, you know, 500 feet over the other way. So it's it's pretty, it's pretty cool stuff, and that that's why we just think that rather than, you know, running and running a, 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 an older tool, and then having to do this and having to correct the well, right? So now it's not where you think it is. Maybe you have to sidetrack. Maybe you have to drill something else. If you, you have to put a whipstock in or something and go a different direction. Um, you know, rather than doing that, Hey, just, just do it right. The first time around, just, you know, just run the gyro survey, do GWD. That's our big thing. And, uh, we, we've seen an enormous uptick of that even, uh, kind of, you know, late last year, early this year, which has been, which has been great. Um, despite the kind of market conditions and, you know, the, the volatility with commodity pricing and all that stuff. Uh, it, it's been nice to see an uptick in that and interest in that because, People are people are seeing the value and kind of some of our newer technologies where we've really really taken it to the next level and you know our solid state GWD, which is kind of our you know our, our latest and greatest shiny new thing. Uh, that's that that's seen some tremendous uh, tremendous growth in the market, and, and we're really the only one that has something like that. Uh, so it's yeah, it's a good time. Are you versed or schooled or? Have an opinion, I guess. How knowledgeable are you when it comes to big data, big data? Um, I mean, s- somewhat, I suppose. With, I, you know, uh, I, I probably have an, an opinion. Sure. Okay, uh, well, that's that's enough for what we're talking about. <laughs> um, well, because really, l- lately I've been, you know, I've on the speaking circuit, and you know, at different things where, where it comes up in conversations at the different social functions and the networking things. I find myself reminding the folk out there, the industry folk, that um, you know, 10 years ago, the CEOs, the, the Harold Hams and the James Volkers from Whiting and John Gibson from One Oak, who have since retired or have taken lesser roles in the company, they were talking about the paradigm shift, how oil and gas is going through a paradigm shift. Now, I, I dropped those names because those are the types of people that aren't going to just be spouting out exaggerations because they've got shareholders and attorneys and, and employees. I mean, there's, there's people that can sue them, and there are certain markets that get impacted by things they say. So 
they don't, they, they're not big into exaggerations and they're not very active on social media, if you get my drift. <laughs> So when, when they started saying that, you know, I paid attention because I come from the media and the newspaper industry went through the paradigm shift with the, with the internet. You know, I mean, and the example I give to people is newspapers had a hundred year monopoly in most cities, a hundred year monopoly they had for a newspaper. And when the internet came that most of them went bankrupt in 10 years and, you know, so, or they got bought out or sold or something like that. So you know, when, when I look at the paradigm shift that we went through in the media, how the internet changed us, I'm looking at like what your service is, your company is, because I just pulled, you know, you guys have been around since what, 1980? 1980, yeah. And you're a technology company. Okay, you were at least from the day one. And back in the 80s, I know it was punch cards and circular uh, punch cards used for computers. I mean, to think that our banking system in the 1980s was held together by a bunch of circular punch cards is remarkable nowadays to to, to go back to that. So uh, anyway, the only reason I bring that up is that you guys have got a historical amounts of data when it comes to this magnetism side of the whole equation. Now, big data is basically just folding in everybody's data and computing out a whole new entree, a whole new dinner, a whole new product, whatever it might be. So I can see how you guys can really play into the future of oil and gas when it comes to a lot of uh, 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 what's the taking the guesswork out and figuring out precision pricing and uh, really being, being a part of the bigger picture, if you will, being a part of the puzzle. I, I can really see that. So um, big data, have you guys looked at it? Are you aware of it? Just talk to me about how big data folds into how you guys are contributing to it or being a part of that. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we're definitely aware of it. Um, and, and as far as interfacing with it or having something to do with it, I mean, may, maybe not in the, you know, in the sense that, the average person might think of with, uh, you know, big data platforms and, you know, aggregating and, and collecting data and then kind of synthesizing all these data points to take action. I mean, that that's what I think of typically when I think of big data. But I mean, I think I think our contribution would be, you know, when, when you're taking these surveys, uh, these wellbore surveys, like you said, I mean, you're, you're getting a lot of information uh, about about the well and about uh, its position. Uh, you're getting, you know, in, the inclination data, the azimuth data, uh, you know, you're getting latitude data for where it is, you know, in the world, if it's really far north, for example, and, uh, and, and how does, how do these kind of numbers affect the actual well itself? So that I think that's where, I think that's where we are is, uh, you know, we have a lot of stuff. I mean, you should see some of the some of the spreadsheets that I that I look at and stuff. It, it's it's funny because you know I'm I'm not really a technical guy, and uh, you know some of some of our some of our people will send me these spreadsheets, and you know it'll it'll just be thousands upon thousands of numbers of, of you know data points basically, and I'm I'm just like, what am I uh, you know, what am I supposed to do with this? But we we do we definitely take a lot of data. I mean, we, we have one kind of technology offering or a, you know a solution that will run a gyro survey and we'll take we'll take surveys at every foot. Uh, so you're getting all these data points every foot in the well, and 
you know, traditionally you take a survey every stand, which is you know roughly 92 feet. And uh, so think about that, right? 92 times more data in in this offering, and you know what we're doing is we're getting this very detailed, very precise uh, downhole data on the well bore on what it what it actually looks like, and then we're taking that, putting it all into a system. Uh, you know, our own system that we made, it's patented, you know, it's a beautiful thing. And you get a 3D wellbore visualization afterwards. So a lot of companies are using that to see highly detailed view of what's going down under, you know, what's going, what's going on underground, uh, why maybe they're having issues, uh, thing, things that, you know, what, what we kind of talk about is wellbore tortuosity, which is when the well you know, undulates and goes up and down and it's kind of kinky versus, uh, you know, a straight well, which is what you want. Uh, and, and we'll, we'll run these really, really, you know, tightly spaced, very small surveys and get all these data points and then say, look at so many feet. Yeah. There's no wonder you couldn't put a pump down there. The, the well, there's a bend in the well, you know, there's a dog leg or, uh, there's no wonder you couldn't put it over there. The well, the well is turning in such a way that, uh, it's actually going to put, you know, un, uh, too much pressure against the tubing. There's going to be what they call side force uh, or, or side loading force. And that could cause, you know, the, the tubing to rupture or the casing or even, you know, equipment damage, things like that. So when you think of data and how much data you have to have to make that kind of analysis and then provide a recommendation. Uh, it, it's a lot, right? So back to your initial question, I know I kind of went, went, went into the, weeds a little bit but you know, yeah we're maybe not your traditional big data as far as we don't have uh you know an industrial data platform or any kind of iot uh, thing internally uh, but we're certainly providing data to our customers uh that you know that that are uh, that's allowing them to make better decisions and, and what they do with that is kind of to them right but ultimately it should help everybody uh, drill better wells and, and better placed wells so should, should be a win-win for everyone. Yeah, I, I guess um, you answered it. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many different ways to go with big data, and that's one of the problems because if you choose the wrong path, you'll bankrupt yourself by by trying to tell everybody why your idea is so good. And uh, big data, you know, I mean, big data, you can do that. It can go a lot of different directions. So yeah, it's always have to be uh, have to be careful nowadays because that's. It's just like digitalization, right? I mean, it's it's one of these words that has become it's just become ubiquitous, and you know, people are people are generally tossing these things around. It, it seems like willy nilly, right? It's like, oh, oh we our, our new big data solution. Oh, we're our digitalization initiative, and, uh, oh, and, and and a lot of companies have it, and then some don't at all, and they're just they're just throwing buzzwords around. So it's it's a lot more <laughs> it's a lot more crowded and complicated than it might need to be. But everyone's trying to cash in on the hype, you know. In our industry, it's called podcasting. Everybody's doing a podcast now, and uh, oh yeah, I mean, I laugh because I'm like, I was I, when I spoke at uh, the API Dickinson deal last week, and I've said this for a while on the program, but um, the government, you know, when they basically put out the money over the last year, non nonprofits really didn't do anything. They 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 didn't they didn't do their event because of COVID, and they really didn't do any of their their nonprofit work because of COVID. And so a lot of people stayed at home. So pretty much every nonprofit started a podcast 
So I could argue that, boy, the government just funded a bunch of competition with for podcasting. And and so that kind of opened my eyes a little bit. And one day I was talking to this uh, president, CEO guy who called me, who was kind of upset that his company did a podcast because they invested a lot of money and they were getting no return. And I was, I was explaining to him that podcasts are really difficult because it's a great idea and anybody can do it. Well, of course, you can, you can under 200 bucks and you can go buy equipment and boom, you're done. Okay, there's enough free services yep. out there to go from there. But it's, it's like a website. Okay, great. You put a website out there. It's just like planting a tree. Okay, great. You can go plant a tree. You can do all that different stuff. But how's anybody going to find it? And how's anybody going to listen to it? I used to tell people all the time when it comes to a website, it's just like you're having a tree in the forest. It doesn't work better if you have a map. And that was trying to get people to advertise their website. Well, they'll find it on the internet. Well, how's anybody going to find the website on the World Wide Web, man? That's, that's more difficult than driving around town trying to find something. And then trying to explain podcasting to people about how, first of all, hardly anybody is going to listen to the interview about you know the $700,000 generator that 20 people can buy in the country because it's a wet gas solution, okay? So yeah. good, good luck on that, buddy. But you go ahead and invest all that money into whatever. And so I, I went and I stepped out of my deck and I started counting the podcasts that I knew in my neighborhood of the homes that I could see. And just as I just turned in my backyard, not even my front yard, in my backyard, I counted six, six podcasts. And then I said, well, then we got to compete with Ron Burgundy. And Ron Burgundy's not even a real person. And I'd rather listen to him (laughs) than me. (laughs) (laughs) So no, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, you know, I, I was on LinkedIn the other day, and a guy uh, he was he was compiling a list of all the energy-related podcasts, and admittedly, it did include some you know renewables-focused ones too. But what, when I left off, and I, I put some on there that I was aware of, or, you know, I knew I knew the folks, and uh, heck, we'll we'll have to make sure that uh, that that the grid life's on there too. But uh, <laughs> but he, uh, he he finished it, updated it, and they said, oh. Uh, Good news, everybody. We're up to 149 podcasts. I saw and 177 it, the other day when I saw it. Okay, so it's, it's it's continuing to grow, and it's just it's unbelievable. And like you said, I mean, anybody can do this. You can go, you can go buy a mic, go buy some equipment, get your program set up, and and uh, start you know start doing it and watch the magic yeah. happen. But I went through it during the, the blog during the blog revolution too, because I'm I'm actually a writer by trade. I'm a journalist yep. writer by trade. Okay, it just I happened to do radio shows on the side and everything along those lines, and I just kind of figured out that if well, if I'm going to write for a newspaper and a magazine, I might as well hit record on the interview, and then I can just podcast the interview because it'll you know you got to interview them for the story anyways, right? Because yep. there there are two types of uh, the, there's two types of reporters now. There's the uh, email reporter. That's the one who just they do all their reporting over email, and those are the worst reporters there are. And then there's yep. the actual people who actually do old school reporting, which is you actually talk to the person who's the source, not the, not, not the assistant or the marketing department or anything like that. No, it's the actual person who's, you know, horse's mouth, if you will. Yeah, imagine that, right? <laughs> well, and there's a, there's a big difference. In fact, um, I, the reason that I stayed on with a lot of newspapers, radio stations, and magazines was because I was the only one doing that. Because yeah. even their own employees were just doing the email, you know, doing the email reporting, which is 
it's too polished. It's, it's manufactured and it comes across fake. And when you come across fake, at first it works, but then after a while it goes away. It's that old saying, short-term gain equals long-term pain. And so many yep. people have been dangling for the fr- you know easy fruit, this and that. All right, I got to get off my soapbox here because we got in the problems <laughs> of the media and it's been a real problem for a while because they've, you know, I mean, the media hasn't figured out that they need to reinvent themselves. They keep trying to make everybody go to their old ways and it ain't going that way, you know? So, um, no, it's not. Hey, you're preaching. I mean, I'm a writer too. So you're preaching to the choir. Oh, I, good. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> good. Yeah. And I, you know, listen, I get it, you know, deadlines and time crunches and this and that, but where we've gotten my neighbor, one of my neighbors, he's a, a head of a, uh, one of the political parties in the state, you know? Mm-hmm. So he's in the news all the time. Right. And our dogs are buddies and everything like that. So we, him and I chat a lot because our dogs like to wrestle and play together. And I'm in the media, so he, he asks me a lot of media questions. And he got kind of dinged in an article. Well, they, they, they gave him an hour. Some reporter sent him a, a, a question, pretty important question, too. It had to do with uh, the election stuff, you know, when people were getting sued and you know russia was taking over the election because of china's demand whatever i don't know just whatever the nonsense was going on and all this stuff um to me it's all noise because it comes in so many different directions i didn't mean to offend anybody if who's really into it and thinks it's serious but he he had an hour to respond and he was taking a nap and (laughs) i mean it was like four in the afternoon right three in the afternoon and they gave him an hour because his deadline was like 5 o'clock, and then they put it on the news because 5 o'clock is the new norm for a lot of media companies because that's when people get off work. So it's 9 o'clock, 12 o'clock, and 5 o'clock are the new deadlines now. And if my source doesn't get to me, well, I need media Mad Libs filled in, and I just go with it. So they just say, you know, he wasn't available. Well, that kind of makes it be negative then most people think he's ducking or hiding especially if it's somewhat of confrontational stories and etc so i don't know that I, i'm sorry about that but I, I just wanted to put that in there because that is a problem with today's journalism is is it's it's actually who can yell fire the loudest in the theater when before they used to say don't ever yell fire in a the theater yeah oh it's all sensational it's sensationalism i mean just like you know i i hate to support the kind of uh you know, popular media is, is uh, you know, morally bankrupt and, and all that message. But on the flip side, I mean, you do hear all the same. It's all the same stuff. Uh, there, you know, even whether you're, you know, up in North Dakota or I'm down in Houston. I mean, uh, my, my news channels, if I flip from one to the other, it's I'm bombarded with the same the same things, same types of stories. And most of it is, you know, that that uh, that whole. Uh, that whole sensationalist thing that we we have to put up. I mean, uh, you know, new COVID death statistics, or uh, you know, so and so got shot, or here's a cop, you know, here's a police chase over here. It's all, it's uh, almost all very negative, and it's it, it becomes challenging to even kind of tune into that regularly because you know you you want to you want to be happy, right? <laughs> right? You want to you want to uh, I want good news. Uh, I, I already deal with enough in my day, my daily life that I don't want to, I don't want to be done with that and then turn on the TV and then get slammed with an hour of additional, uh, you know, sensationalist headlines and news and whatnot. So no, I'm, I get it. Trust me. 
Yeah, and, you know, ye- yellow journalism isn't new. I mean, you know, the days of Benjamin Franklin, poor Richard's Almanac, you know, he had an editorial section, which he was one of the authors of under a pen name. And, you know, that was a little bit more innocent, but it was there. And then, you know, fast forward a little bit more, you got, you know, William Hearst, who was really well known for his yellow journalism, using his entire empire to build his his uh, timber farms and whatever relationship he had with DuPont and Dow and et cetera. And then, you know, even going to today, what do you got, five major news sources, you know, in America? And it's just so funny how they all report on the same five stories. I mean, there's a big planet, and you got these big major news organizations, and they all seem to report on the same stuff. And so that's interesting when the competition doesn't seem to really think there's any other news stories out in the world. So... It's it's it, there's been an evolution and there's been quite a I don't know it's it's there but whatever it's just an, like like we talked about before we jumped on the air you know sometimes just because you know the the telephone has changed to a handheld computer it, it's still there it's just in a different presentation is all so yeah. um, let's get back to your thing real quick before we you know r- really lose all of our listeners here uh, <laughs> but uh, okay gyro data. No, I'm sorry. That's not the right word. Is he? Is it? No, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and that's the name data, of the company data, too. Data. Hey, I'm not. You know, data, data. I'm I'm good with anything as long as we're not saying Euro data. We're good. Well, where I'm confused is is that it's both the name of the company and the terminology, right? So this is this must be something you guys invented, like Lexus, where it's just a new word that you guys came up with. Well, I mean, you know, as far as, I mean, as far as, yeah, Gyro Data, the company name, I mean, that's that's our thing. Right. But, you know, yeah, but Gyro's, uh, what we did in that, some of the, you know, kind of, I hate to use, you know, buzzwords after after just criticizing this a few minutes ago, but, you know, I mean, like, some of our stuff was basically what you'd say is a step change or uh, kind of a, you know, a revolution in, in how the industry has approached uh, wellbore surveying. I mean... You know, you, you've went from, uh, you know, I know we, we talked about this the other day, but, you know, you've went from uh, dropping a, a bottle filled with acid, you know, into into a hole in the ground. And then you, then you let it sit where the well where the well turns. You, you put you drop it down, let it sit there and then you pull it back up, uh, you know, 10 minutes later. And wherever the acid etched a little line on the glass bottle because it's, you know, it's burnt into it, you would say, oh, okay, well, that's our inclination of the well. And that's how you would know how many degrees it was, you know, it was going in one or one direction or the other. Uh, so to think that we've gone from that in, you know, the 1920s, 1930s to, uh, you know, to, to fully electronic, you know, tiny little, I mean, some of these things, I mean, they're like the size of a, of a penny. I mean, these are very small instruments and, you know, a gyro assembly or, or a, the actual piece of equipment that's going in a bottom hole assembly. I mean, that's larger, right? But because it's got to have all the, the housing and the different components, the electronics board and all that, but the gyro itself is, is very small. These sensors are very small and just incredible. Some of the you know, advancements that have, that have come, uh, really since gyro data has been around and, you know, gyro wall drilling, uh, was, was, you know, really gyro data's thing. And some of the early systems that, you know, started being able to survey at different inclinations without having, uh, you know, errors in the data and whatnot. I mean, 
you know, starting off with 40 degrees and then 70 and then 90 and then now just whatever you want, right? We have, we have the thing and there, there is no inclination limitation. Um, so, well, yeah, it, it almost seems like you guys created the industry is what I'm getting at because when I was trying to do some research on this, it just reminded me of Xerox and, you know, Kleenex where it, you, you, you kind of create the industry to where the name of the company is what it's called, you know, I mean, for a long yeah. time, Xerox, that was it, man. It was, it was, that's what people call the copy machine. And yeah. so when, you know, like you said, I was doing the research for gyro data, data, whatever, and everybody and, or every site was you guys and, yeah. and, and Wikipedia yeah, we, uh, about you. So it just seems, I'm sure you got, who is your customer, by the way? I mean, at the end uh, of the day, who, who is it? I mean, is, is it just the operator? Or is it people in the midstream, upstream, trout stream, salmon stream? Who, who do you got? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, our, our customer base is varied. I mean, so, so yeah, definitely operating companies will, uh, you know, will come directly to us. And if they have, you know, any of the kind of, any of the concerns or challenges we were talking about, you know, they, they would come directly and say, hey, look, you know, we want to run a, we want to run an XYZ system and, and this and that well, and uh, we'll, you know, we'll send a guy out and, and uh, you know, send the system wherever it needs to go and uh, set it up and run it and, you know, go on our way after they do the surveys uh, or, or we'll do it remotely. And nowadays a lot with the, you know, the travel restrictions and all that stuff. So remote, remote ops has kind of become a huge thing for us, but, uh, but yeah, so operators or, uh, you know, other other service companies, uh, you know, or other kind of providers in the OFS space where, uh, you know, they, they might want to use our system or sensors or whatever. They might want to incorporate that into their own BHA and say, uh, you know, yeah, we, we need, we need your GWD system in there because we don't have it. Uh, so that, that's a, that's a whole other kind of piece of the puzzle as well as, uh, you know, third-party service companies coming over and, and wanting to run this kind of technology and uh, they, they might not they might have some kind of surveying offering i mean you know halliburton has sperry and slumberger has a mems gyro and so there there is stuff out there but uh you know ours is ours is and this is this will you know maybe come across a little stilted because it's me with gyro data but i mean ours really is kind of ahead of the pack and uh, it's it's a it's a very small market uh you know it's a, it's i mean there's really off the top of my head. I mean, there's about four companies, including us that are really doing this and specializing in this. And, uh, you know, our, our big thing was something we've kind of been talking about is how do you, you know, positioning for this new normal and kind of pivoting into what is the oil field going to look like, you know, in a few years and when, when kind of commodity prices, if they ever settle and, I mean, heck it was 40 a couple months ago and now it's, you know, it's approaching 70. And so, this thing is, it, it's crazy as usual, but, you know, do we, is there any way that we can kind of intelligently shift a little bit from just being a service provider and actually having to, you know, send people to well sites and have equipment set up and equipment distribution and have offices in different countries and, you know, the logistics, all that, or can we be a technology provider to where, you know, what we're, what we're offering is, not just service, which of course we'll still have because that's a you know kind of bread and butter offering. But can we also sell the technology itself, the sensors, right? And that's where those service companies come in. Is 
you know, a lot of times they're running this stuff already and they're not talking about it. Uh, but we're generating, you know, revenue based on them running our technology. And, you know, I don't, you, you might've seen it floating about somewhere in the past, but you know, our big thing last year was, uh, was, you know, Halliburton actually, uh, publicly announced that they were going to incorporate, uh, our solid state sensors, which are, you know, the, the newest and latest and greatest and, uh, you know, sensor technology. They're actually putting that into their own piece of equipment, uh, and, and commercializing it under their own name. So it's pretty cool because, you know, that way the, the big service company, they have a tool. It's called Gyrostar. So they have a tool. Uh, it's got our sensors in it. So we still get representation. We still get visibility in the marketplace. We still generate revenue. Uh, but, you know, they're going to run their own tool as part of their own operations. So we, we are not, you know, a service provider in that sense anymore. We're a technology provider. So kind of dumbing uh, it down. Is it more, more just licensing it to them and then with some service? Yeah, kind of. I mean, it, it, yeah, it's, it's really just, you know, Hey, here, you know, here, here's the sensor technology. Yeah. Uh, you're going to build the equipment yourself and you're going to take the sensors and plop them in yeah. there and do what you need to do. And then, it's a lot uh, of, you know, you, you can go run it, right? It's a similar model of what uh, Microsoft did with IBM. And it's a great, great model. It's win-win. Um, yeah, you it's, know. Pretty, it's pretty cool. And so the hope is, well, you know, you it's, know, will others follow suit, right? Well, it is. You know, in fact, in my industry, the media, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the WWE, professional wrestling. Uh-huh. But they, they have a network that is one of the top networks. And they, you know, they've, they're very savvy when it comes to social media and the internet because a lot of their fans are. And so they, they were, and if, if anybody wants to go Google, they can go Google WWE Network. I guarantee you it's one of the top five. And, um, and it was number two and one for a while. It was them and Netflix that were going back and forth as far as number one uh, streaming network. They actually uh, are getting out of it and are going exclusively to Peacock because when I think about it, you know, Dick Ebersol and Vince McMahon are longtime friends. And Dick Ebersol, he wants to get this, I'm sure NBC, you know, Peacock, they want to get this thing going. And so you're going to bring over all these, these uh, pro wrestling people paying 10 bucks a month now. They're going to just, I mean, for 10 bucks a month now to pay to Peacock, you get all the WrestleManias and all the content you want. Plus you get the office, plus you get parks and rec. And that way WWE doesn't have to take that risk on for the next, I think it's a five year deal, but at the end of five years, WWE walks away with all their content and Peacock walks away with as many of those subscribers as they keep. So it's a win-win for all. And maybe they resign. Maybe WWE's like, we don't want to be in the network business. We'll leave that to Peacock. So it, yeah. I looked at that as, as such a, a great way to look at the marketplace right now where sometimes you might have to, you know, lick your chops a little bit if you've invested some, some resource dollars into something, but look at the bigger picture because right now we're going through strength in numbers and boy, you can't get a bigger strength than Halliburton. Holy smokes. That's pretty good, man. Yeah. And that, that's great for, you know, it's great for us because I mean, you know, we're, we're a small company. I mean, this is, you're not you know, small. What are you talking this, about? This is, this is a, this is 600 people right in, in the world. So it's, it's a, it's a small enterprise and small global know, company. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and you know, offices dotted all over the place, but you've got Halliburton and, you know, especially with, uh, you know, in the Eastern hemisphere and the middle East and, 
where a lot of the you know, NOCs and, and you know local companies they have that they have those local content requirements where you have to have built something in country and you have to employ in country people and you know it's like the Saudi the IK the uh, IKTVA thing the ICTVA with all the thirty year plan to employ more uh, you know more Saudi nationals and you know more more young talent and things like that and you know does it make sense for Gyrodata to have an office in all these countries in these different regions where uh, we're required to build and you know produce things there? Uh, what, you know, what's what's the logistical cost of that? Is it worth it? You know, on a on a P and L standpoint, and or like with Halliburton, Halliburton has an off has offices everywhere. They have the logistics, they have the distribution, they have the networks, and they have the capital to support that. And so, hey, you know, we have the best sensors in the business. You have a huge network and all the you know all the contacts, the 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 offices, the regional support take our stuff, put it in your system, uh, and, 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 and fly free little bird, right? I mean, just go do your thing. And they, and they can, Sperry is a legendary name and in, in the, you know, the surveying and the drilling world. I mean, Sperry's son was, you know, Elmer Sperry was the guy that pretty much invented the gyroscope, the modern gyroscope, right? So, I mean, uh, this, this is a company with a huge, huge amount of, uh, market equity and, and brand equity and, yeah, they can just they can just take it all the way home, and that was really cool about them was they they were willing to kind of publicly say that you know so I mean there's there's companies all over from you know mom and pop shop to to the big boys that they might run some type of you know some some piece of technology we have a sensor or whatever they might use it but they don't talk about it they just do their thing and so yeah we you know we make we make revenue off of it but it's not it's not of any value to building the brand. Right. But Halliburton was like, Hey, we've got a new technology offering. It's called Gyrostar. It's powered by Gyrodata's solid state sensor technology. And that's like on the marketing flyers. It's on the collateral. It's on the website. It's everywhere. They actually publicly put that out there. So that was, that's good for everybody because then they can benefit from the strength of our, you know, of our brand and that, and that admittedly limited market. But, they can benefit from our brand and then we certainly benefit from the additional exposure and uh, markets that they have access to that we might have more limited, you know, participation. in. Looking at the clock here, anything that we missed, anything we want to reiterate, anything that, you know, um, you know, kind of final thoughts here kind of as we wind down. I don't, um, did did take, you want to, I know uh, we talked, uh, I know we talked the other day a little bit about, I don't know if maybe at the end here, we if we wanted to bring it home with, you know, we've talked so so much about kind of you know what we do and gyros and all this technology and stuff, but you know for your average uh, for your average person and your your, your normal listener, uh, which would have been me less than two years ago when I'd never heard of a gyro in oil and gas in my life, uh, but you know that these gyros are in a lot of stuff uh, in in your day to day life, and uh, you know really to bring it home for people. I mean, whether it's, yeah, you're, if you've got a, if you've got a, you know, a cell phone in your hand, if you've got a smartphone in your hand, uh, there's, there's a gyro in there, right? There's gyros in your laptops and your, your computers. Uh, there's probably one still in your car. Uh, so these, uh, you know, just to bring it back up to reality a little bit, uh, you know, this is, it, it's cool stuff, but it's also, 
very much present around us uh, and, you know, even even uh, and even beyond, you know, where we are now with gyros like on the International Space Station, keeping this thing, you know, perfectly where it needs to be, um, you know, and and in 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 rockets and missiles and things like that to where, you know, you can take like an intercontinental ballistic missile and shoot it halfway across the planet, hit a target. That's because the thing has a gyro and it's got a military grade gyro. Uh, and that, that's, that's uh, kind of the technology that, you know, we're putting into our systems as well. Not, not military grade, but the same principle. Right. So it's pretty cool. Cause you can, then you can form that connection between, uh, you know, the, the real world around you. And these applications for oil and gas that, you know, and, and the other stuff we do with mining, and civil engineering and whatnot. But, you know, you form that connection uh, to kind of bring it home and say, yeah, this is this is how we're getting this is helping us get uh, energy. Right. This is helping us get hydrocarbons out of the ground that's powering our, our lives and, uh, you know, in the, in the way that, uh, you know, powering our world. So it's it's a it's a very, it's all very interconnected. I always like to kind of. You know, help help people get that right instead of these just really out there ideas with you know, <laughs> you know drilling drilling high uh, high precision well bores and stuff yeah you know but no it's in it's in your car too uh, that, that that's uh that's why you're getting where you need to go so how can people get yeah. in touch with you and uh, find you and get some business with you yeah I mean you can uh, you know I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn uh, feel free to you know find me and and reach out or connect on there. Um, you know, you can visit our website, gyrodata.com. If you want to email me specifically, uh, my, my email is just my name at gyrodata. You know, it's steven.forrester at gyrodata.com. If you want to send me an email, uh, please, please feel free. And yeah, ha- happy to, happy to engage with anybody. And if I can't help, I'll certainly direct you to the right spot. Exclusive interview industry news, environmental innovation at thecrudelife.com. Music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Jason Space. Thank you for joining the program today. You know, I, I come from an oil background. My family's been in the oil and gas industry for 60 years. I, I think the thing with the younger generation is the younger generation has pretty much bought into the climate change phenomenon. They really believe everything that people tell them. We just want to thank everybody that has been so supportive of us, and especially you, Jason. Without without your help, I don't think our event would be as successful as 
it is. So I, I don't want to be real critical of them because being a guy who's, you know, dad has several small businesses and, and coming from that sort of small business background, I get it. I mean, the, the, the operators here were put in a real bad position by the state of North Dakota. Well, that we've got people like you to pay attention and bring us information on stuff like this. Prices can't go any lower for services. I, I, they're, they're too low right now. I, our margins are in the single percentage point if we're lucky, and we're not lucky that often. You're exactly right. ESG is becoming more and more important to shareholders. I can speak for my 20 companies. They take it very serious. It makes perfect sense, and I thought you had a really good show last week. Jason, I love your inquisitive questions because you you ask important questions that that lead to the most important truths. Hey, this is Kevin Kramer representing proudly the state of North Dakota in the United States Senate. Talking to Jason Spies, who's like the best energy interviewer in the world. No one does an interview like Jason Spies. We all like living the crude life, so... <laughs> The Crude Life with host Jason Spies. My name is Jason Spies and this is the Crude Life Daily Update. On today's episode, we talk about Women's History Month. Every March since 1987, Congress and U.S. presidents have designated this month as Women's History Month. This year, the Crude Life celebrates and honors their accomplishments and vital contributions in history with interviews and stories that center around women's experiences in industry. These women are not only modern-day leaders, but they are truly historic as well. Up next, we talk with Kate Hornbrook of Ace Completions. Today, we talk with Jackie Jenkin with Ion Field Services and also the co-founder of the Bakken Barbecue. Well, the Bakken Barbecue, I mean... As we've talked throughout the years, you know, we started with almost little to nothing, no experience. Tiffany and I kind of went in blindsided, and I don't know, luck, luck, not draw the luck, but I guess we were just kind of lucky, and our event turned out so successful. And it was amazing to see something so small that we had just a small idea grew into something huge. And now here we are nine years later, and, you know, Tiffany and I went through a lot of struggles to get where we are today. But our event is just so successful because of all those struggles and how much we've learned that it's almost as if our event runs itself now. And I think, too, last year with COVID, you know, we've seen a lot of people in our industry, the oil and gas industry, as well as many other industries, lose their job, pay cuts, you know, all sorts of financial hardships on families. So a lot more families probably hit more of the poverty level. I don't know any statistics, but, um, you know, there was a lot more people that were signed up for different programs for assistance throughout communities. So we kind of heard from other organizations that they were struggling to get sponsorships because, you know, these companies can't donate. So it's nice to be able to give back when things like this come up because obviously nobody foresaw what 2020 was going to be and saw that, you know, kids were going to be struggling to have food or families to put food on the table. So it was really nice to give back in that aspect for something that, you know, we were all nervous about, but yet we could spin it in a good positive note and help these kids and these families. To listen to the full-length interview with Jackie Jenkin or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Please join us all month long as we celebrate Women's History Month here at The Crude Life. From the staff here at The Crude Life Week in Review, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to always remember, energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... It takes an industry to build a forest. 
Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. The music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com.